0: Hi, hello, it's Vin. Thank you so much for listening to The Vin and Ali Show. We've created something that we're really excited about and we wanna share it with you. It's called Recalibrate. It's a 12-step process that helps you create more clarity and more alignment in your life. It's the exact approach that both Ali and I have been using to live happier lives and to achieve all of our wildest dreams in the last seven years. It's been crazy. Being one of our loyal listeners, we wanted to share a special something with you. Visit recalibrate.online forward slash Vin and Ali to access the course for 70% off. I hope you will check it out. Anyway, let's dive into this episode. It's really... And we're live. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode seven. This is uh, the Vin and Ali show where we are currently reviewing books that we really love and adore. So welcome, Ali, to episode seven, brother.
1: Thank you, bro. It's good to be here
0: this week. This book... Yeah, this week. Well, this this book is... You know how I've been giving kind of food analogies for our shows? This one, you can't give it a food analogy. The only analogy I can think of, and I'd love to hear if you've got an analogy as well, an analogy mm-hmm. as well. But the one that I came up with is... And I, you've heard me say this, but it's like I'm a Mac OS operating system. Uh, mm-hmm. And I just had a PC piece of software and I'm trying to run that piece of software. So reading this book... That's how it felt. It's like, this isn't right, wrong program. (laughs) It was so difficult to, like for me, man, so many things that I read, some of it I had to read it like five or six times. Yep. It was because the wisdom that was packed into this, like I remember messaging you halfway through reading it and I said, it's either Bruce Lee's brain is broken or my brain is broken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. your brain is broken. yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> but but it, just, it just felt so difficult to, was. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Again, if you had to think of a food, it was like trying to swallow something that you could never chew to a point where you could swallow it. You just had to chew it forever. <laughs> I like it.
1: I'll, yeah. I'll stick with your, I'll stick with your food analogy. To me, it feels like it's going to the world's ultimate all you can eat restaurant and every single food is different and you have no idea what to pick and choose but it's like fine dining all you can eat and then wow you need to just get like one piece and then sit on it for hours is probably what it is and i think for people that Maybe you haven't read the book. The books—I uh, don't even know if I've mentioned what the book we are reviewing. This yeah, we haven't mentioned it. My goodness. Well, that's. that's yeah, I've,
0: already, I've broken down. I'm broken already. I can see. Well, hang on. We have to address this, right? To you, you see it as an all-you-can-eat, which means that you're able to digest all of this food. To me, if this was an all-you-can-eat, it's basically all I can eat was concrete. I couldn't eat anything. I think that that shows the level of intellect between nah. you and I already.
1: Not at all. I'm just sitting there trying to eat it, but it doesn't mean that I'm processing any of it. I'm just picking the bits and pieces and trying to figure it out on the fly. You're at least admitting that, holy crap, I don't even know what
0: I'm eating here like. <laughs> I've never seen this type of food before. And then when I try to chew it, I can't. It just it broke all of my teeth. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, well the book is called Striking Thoughts by Bruce Lee. And it, it's a brilliant book. It's it's. I, it, this is my summation of it, Ali, and I'd love to hear mm-hmm. yours. Okay. And again, I still don't understand a man at the age of 30, we, you know when he was thirty two, he mm-hmm. he passed away, and for him to have this level of wisdom so young is unbelievable. It's it's Bruce Lee's thoughts on life, and it's his thought, his his philosophies on life from how he teaches as a teacher to how he lives to how he how he is as a martial artist, it's like all facets of life. It's Bruce Lee's philosophies on all facets of life, hence why I think the the analogy of an all-you-can-eat is, is such a good analogy. I, I can't sum this book up. I don't even know where to begin.
1: <laughs> I, I think it, it is definitely a difficult book to try to give a one-or-two-line summary on yeah. because <laughs> – yeah you hit it on its head, on you hit it on its head by saying that it is his philosophy and it's a collection of it to me it feels like it's very closely being like a religious text or mm. or a guide for life where he's gone through say his 30 years and then tried to take everything from the esoteric to the practical uh from all different parts of I guess, martial arts, philosophies, career in Hollywood, his life experiences. And it, that book actually feels more like it's a journal where he's journaling out his thoughts and then trying to collect them. And I think in the introduction it says that where uh, a lot of this book was collected post his death from a variety of different sources and his writings and his musings on life. And, and that's why it really is difficult to summarise because it really is that. like You could flick this book to any page and pick two sentences from a page and probably spend a day just contemplating on it and sitting on it, which I think's amazing. It, it's like some of the best philosophical texts do that same thing and probably some of the best religious texts do something similar. But what I do like is that he's broken it down into themes so you don't get lost in the book. Like it is structured. And yeah. I actually feel like there's a lot of practical um, applicability to this book. Too, like you can. Mm. He actually gives some steps as well around how do you go about this for things that are usually really out there and yeah, very, very abstract, which, which is what I really loved about it.
0: This this book got me thinking a lot. You know, mm. it's it, it, there, there are books where you just keep reading and reading and reading and reading, right? You just don't stop. Like Matthew McConaughey's book last week, the, the one we reviewed, uh, Green Lights. When when I read that book, I, I was just page after just flowing it was just, it was very easily digestible. It was, it was just, you know, it was like eating vegetables, good fiber, yeah. you know, just yeah, yeah, pass yeah. it just passes through your body. You go to the bathroom. It's fantastic. Whereas this one, it, it, you have to stop so often. Yep. It, it forces you to think. I, I remember we were going to do this podcast last week. And then I woke up on Sunday morning about to do the podcast with you. And I messaged you and I went, I can't, Do it, Ali, (laughs) because it was like everything was still stuck in my throat, just kind of going down and just wouldn't go through because I needed more time to think. And I spent the whole Mm. week this week just looking through my notes. Even this morning, I woke up at seven to sit here to just look at the passages Mm. because that there was this, I've never read a book with so much wisdom packed in two sentences. Yeah. Like you, you read two sentences. And you're like, oh great, I got to stop now, and you just got to think of it. You got to think about it, and then you get you get one sentence it and you're like, great, thanks, Bruce. Now I've just got to stop and chew for the next thirty minutes again. Yeah. So, t- so to gosh. me, it, it was a lot of that. It was, there was so much start and stop, start and stop, which was nice. It was actually yeah. a nice way to read.
1: Well, well, what is it? It's like about 150 pages, 170 pages. But you're right; you could spend five. It's years not long reading it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely right. Well, what's let's kick it off. All right. What's the passage go, that that stuck
0: well, out? The the first one. <laughs> I, I don't think I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever highlighted a book like I've highlighted this book. I should have just highlighted everything, right? Yeah. But there's there's a story that I have to tell to, as we kick this off, right? Which is a story he kind of starts the book off. Mm-hmm. He goes, a learned man once went to visit a Zen master to inquire about Zen. As the Zen teacher talked, the learned man frequently interrupted to express his own opinions about this or that. Finally, the Zen teacher stopped talking and began to serve tea to the learned men. He poured the, tea, the cup full of tea, but he kept pouring until the tea overflowed. Stop, said the learned man. The cup is full. There's no more that can be poured in. And the Zen master says, like this cup, you are full of your own opinions, replied the Zen master. If you do not first empty your cup, how can you taste my cup of tea? I love that he started the book yeah, yeah, yeah. with that quote. Because I love that
1: you started the podcast with that. That's amazing.
0: Yeah? Um, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah that, well, that, well, was because, highlight. Because that was a Because that was a slap in the face for me. Because I, I think I walk around often in life going, I know a lot. I'm wise. <laughs> and I walk around with my cup being full and... I can I can tell you how that made me read this book because it made me it made me say to myself, let's empty your cup. Let's let's be a student. Because for so much of my life I live as being a teacher. And when you're a teacher, your cup has to be somewhat full. You can't take an empty cup into a classroom and be like, all right, everyone, let's empty our cups and let's just sit here with empty cups. I think it's important for a teacher to to have a cup that is rather full so the cup can, the the teacher can then share what is in his or her cup. But then in my life, I, because I'm so often a teacher, I forget to be the student. And it was such a nice passage to read as I started my journey of reading this book, because I thought, Oh, I need to just empty my cup. Now I need to, for the next two hours, let go of, let go of all the knowledge that I have and be in a position where I'm willing to just learn. And that was really nice. So that was, that, yeah. that's how I took it. I took, that, I took that teaching as there are parts of my life where I'm a teacher, where you need to have a full cup. And then there are parts of your life where you need to be an empty cup.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that passage. I think to, to me, I find it. it has a few different ways. Uh, there's a few different ways to apply that passage too. Because I found – I remember reading this book three, four years ago for the first time and that was one of the passages that I really highlighted uh, on the first reading and it it nearly – I think that from a practical standpoint can become a little mantra as a reminder because I find it and I'm sure everyone does where your mental dialogue just sits there and it's churning and we're collecting information. There's so much stimulus everywhere. And I think we can feel it like physically when you're so full of (laughs) shit Mm -hmm nearly that yeah. you just need that little reset and I think the empty the cup analogy is one of the best ones just just kind of have a little pause and say all right do I need to empty that cup and what I've found though that is how do you do that in real life like what's a practical way of then emptying your cup so I'm not sure if you have some methods off the emptying but one one that I started doing, probably a while ago was just simple things like journaling where you can kind of use that nearly to empty out some of those thoughts or, you know, even just things like playing a round of golf, going for a walk. Like I think there's some practical ways to then empty the cup where we can then nearly detach from that internal monologue or dialogue a little bit. But that's what I really find is the thing that if I'm looking at my cup that gets full, It's, it's that it's when there's too much overstimulation or too much thinking. And you can kind of feel that it's, it's not quality. It's very shallow level.
0: So I love those two ways. You you said that one way for you is to write things down in journal. And the second way is for you to play golf. Do you have any other ways that you use to empty your cup?
1: Yeah. I think talking, you know, when you're speaking to even doing this, like this podcast is a way of emptying the cup where it's a couple of hours detaching. And, Mm. and that's, that's kind of what I view the emptying the cup analogy as it's, how do you nearly like mow your own lawn or cleanse your own sort of mind or brain? That's one that always sticks out when I I read that sentence.
0: It's funny you say mowing you on lawn because for me, you remember we were texting back and forth the other day and I was, I was saying to you, I, I've never been more domesticated in my life. You know, I do the dishes. I, I've been vacuuming. I've been doing the garden. I've been doing the trimming up. Dude, I bought a wicked new lawnmower. It's like electric. It doesn't even use fuel. It's amazing. And then I bought a trimmer as well. And then I bought like a, a thing to cut trees and everything. It was, I've been doing so much gardening. And, and to me, that's a form of emptying the cup for me. Manual labor, there's something about doing things with your hands where you don't have to think. And when you don't think for me, and I'm just immersed in doing something with my hands, that is a form of emptying my cup. So, so to me, that's one way. Definitely talking for me as well, Ali, is a form of emptying the cup. When when I'm holding on to knowledge, my cup feels full. But when I understand the knowledge, I no longer have to hold on to the knowledge. So that to me is also a form of emptying the cup because when we talk like this, it allows me to reach a level of understanding. Whereas when I I read, sometimes I'm just remembering. All I'm doing sometimes when I'm reading is just got to hold on to that piece of knowledge so the next time someone talks about it, I can regurgitate it. And in a way, (laughs) I sound really intelligent and that makes me feel validated by others. So in, in us talking about it, i reach deeper levels of understanding, which allows me to let go of the information. Well, because when you well, understand, you can let go.
1: And, and this that's is really getting
0: really esoterical now. Yeah,
1: yeah, well, we've gone deep early. I think that's really yeah. interesting because as a teacher, it's kind of your job to do that, mm. right? Like you're mm. you're collecting wisdom and lessons. And yeah, the beauty in what you do is you actually digest it, you destill it, you turn it into something that can then be shared with other people to then help them out, which is interesting. So so would I be right in saying that for you it's more it's information or lessons that you learn. So for me, the, the emptying the cup is more around actions or decisions or weighing up like problem solving types of scenarios. They're the things that when, when I'm looking at emptying the cup that I need to then work through. And if I hold them in for too long or attach too strongly to them, I've got a pretty good trend that you know it, it doesn't work that well or probably isn't. Yes, everything me so is, in the right way. So is the
0: right is the right for me to to say that to you? Your cup feels full when you feel conflicted, when you mm. feel kind of like, is that for, because to me the cup being full or empty to me is different. Like to me, I feel mm. it. I feel my cup is full. The more, the or maybe or maybe it is similar in a way. I'm just trying to articulate it. Yeah. Again, this is the this is a Mac OS trying to run a PC program. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm really struggling. <laughs> yeah. well, we're talking about things way above our pay grade, right here, <laughs> dude. You have no idea. It's why I felt so insecure about talking about this book because I go, I have no qualifications to do this, but we're going to try anyway. But the beauty is that we're just providing our perspective on it, right? So yeah, well, basically, this episode is just watching. Two people all <laughs> heart
1: while trying to talk about something. Trying to figure out how to walk.
0: Before yeah, they, just... Or,
1: or uh, run before they what, know how to walk.
0: Or a giraffe that just was born and just, just try to walk. And just, yeah. I think that's, that's a great analogy for this episode is two giraffes just been given birth to and trying to just run immediately. Yeah, well, yeah brilliant. No, look, uh, this, this is what I'm trying to say. It's that anytime I feel a massive amount of cognitive strain... Uh cognitive and emotional strain in my life th- that 's when I feel like the cup is too full mm. and often that happens when i 'm trying to hang on to too many things in my head, whether it 's knowledge whether it's yeah, I think it's similar whether i 'm going through a difficult time holding on to problems in my head that 's when my cup feels really full but but i 'm thinking about it more in terms of a teacher it 's when i 'm trying to hold on to too much information in my head that 's when I get exhausted. So, so to me, emptying the cup, again, just to, to clarify for myself, really, is it's when I truly reach a state of understanding. Yep. And something you spoke about before that I want to touch on too, which I thought was really interesting is I actually wrote this down. Let me just quickly find it. Yeah, here we go. A teacher's goal. The goal of a teacher is not to teach students what to think. It's to teach students how to think, right? And this is something that Bruce Lee quoted as well. You know, I, I've been a teacher now for years, teaching people communication skills. And people always ask me, oh, you know, you know, what am I gonna get out of hmm. your course and, and what will I get? What what are the what are the measurables, right? And, and to me, it's not so much the what. I can give you the list of the what, but what I'm trying to achieve as a teacher is teach you how to communicate so that Once you learn the what and you understand the what, you just think where you want to go and the communication skills take you there. And it's really hard to articulate that to people in a a way that makes them go, oh, damn, yeah, that's what I actually want. Because it's like when you get in the car, you just think of the destination, you go in the car, you don't have to think about everything you do, you just do. Mm. And Bruce Lee talks about that a lot it's, it's, it's get to a level of mastery and competence where you just think and everything else follows.
1: Mm. I think uh, again, not to blow smoke here, but I think you do that really well just from seeing the way that you teach over the years is it is hard because your, your what is communication skills, right? So straight away, that's a pretty easy tangible where people be like, oh, well, ideally if I do this course, I'll learn how to speak a little bit better. I'll learn how to use my voice better but I think the reason why so many of your students then go back a second or third time is because they want to feel that connection to probably the way that you think and the way that you then deliver that and it it has nearly another level of that how in terms of like like even when I've done your stuff it's yeah you, you get the communication stuff but you get something else as well that's that intangible that's very hard to describe whether it's greater connection or I, I don't know, know what connected. it is. You, you, you'll have it. You'll have like it's, I think it is connection. Awesome. So, so, credit to you on that. I think Bruce would be proud. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, well, <laughs> this here's where we need the, oh. the, the sponsored link. Now, join <laughs> me in yeah. the next
0: class. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, okay. Well, we'll, we'll discuss that because I feel like that's what yep. this podcast is going to be, right? It's going to be take a point of wisdom, yep. share it as yep. Bruce Lee quoted it, and then dissect yep. it. So to me, yep. the emptying of the cup, I think, is really important. F- make sure you find your way, or find a way for you to empty the cup. And it's it's mm-hmm. been unusual for me. It's it's been it's been gardening and and talking. Mm-hmm. And if I had to pick another one, it'd probably be just jumping on the bike and exercising. Though yep. I don't know if that's really emptying the cup for me. I, I don't think so. I think I want it to be and- that, but it's not. And my my
1: other one would just be. If you if you're listening to this, is what is it that's really filling your cup? Where is your cup overflowing, and how do you become aware of that? Would be the other one. So it's probably twofold, right? Like identifying mm. where the overflow is happening, and then identifying a few different ways to maybe empty it so that you can reset
0: again. And another helpful thought that that helps me when looking at it this way is we have many cups in our lives. You know, there's the cup for knowledge potentially. There's the cup for emotional conflict. There's the cup for – so there's so many different cups. And I think having more self-awareness in this area and knowing when which cup is full and which cup needs Mm. to be emptied is is, is really powerful. Yep.
1: Agree. All right,
0: your turn. You pick a passage. Oh, there's there's so many.
1: Okay, I like this one. So – The quote goes, adapt like water, be like water. Water has form and yet it has no form. It is the softest element on earth, yet it penetrates the hardest rock. It has no shape of its own, yet it can take any shape in which it is placed. In a cup, it becomes the shape of the cup. In a vase, it takes the shape of the vase and curls about the stems of flowers. Put in a teapot, it becomes a teapot. Please observe the adaptability of water. So the passage still goes on there, but I think that one I've always found very, very powerful around water as the element that probably identifies as change and as I think it's a passage that really talks about change, adaptability, flow, fluidity. And there's a lot of those themes in I think Bruce Lee's philosophy around. And especially the way that he went about his life. Like if you think about his journey, um, just on the broader, in a broader context, it's pretty much the first foreigner to try to crack Hollywood. What in the Mm. 50, what is it? 50 to 70 years ago now where he's coming from Hong Kong. And not only that was he trying to crack Hollywood, but he wanted to crack it as a leading man. Whereas back then Mm. the, the Oriental or the Asian character was always like the villain in the Hollywood movie and was the secondary character. He was really breaking a pretty significant boundary. So I think it's phenomenal when you look at the way that he went about, not only how he practiced, practiced his craft, but you can now kind of tell when you look at his philosophies around how he probably navigated a really tough journey and being a pioneer in that space. It makes sense mm. and and this water analogy, like this is one of the big ones that I've taken from Bruce Lee's philosophies over the last few years is just that whole whole it's just such a simple sentence around be like water like you and me, we always speak about this. it's around yeah. being fluid, be like water, how do you adapt and this year's probably been an amazing example of utilizing that philosophy to then flow mm. and to to navigate through uncertain waters and and just it's, that that line around you know, water, like how it can be so hard, but yet if you can be in the ocean and it's completely smashing you, but then you mm. try to punch through some water, you can't do it, right? Like it's going to go around your fist, Um, but a wave can blow you away. So uh, it, it's such a, again, really hard to describe and to articulate it, but the the water analogy, and this is where hopefully you'll jump in to make sense of this one. Um, well, well, there's, there's just
0: so, there's so many ways to look at it. I, I feel like, when Bruce Lee talks about water, he's talking about every facet of life. Almost, mm. I mean, you look—you look at it from a literal sense. Water is something that gives us life, and then also can take our life away. You know, it's—it's it's, it's, water can be seen as, like he says in there, right? Water is the softest thing, but it can—you know—it can—it can deform rocks, right? And that—that that to me talks to consistency and persistence. And you, you link that to his career, you know his relentlessness when it comes to mastery, his relentlessness when it comes to learning how to be better on screen, to becoming a better actor. I mean, there, there was a bit of debate because I watched a lot of videos on him uh, on YouTube and a lot of people say that you know, he, he went and studied philosophy, whereas actually what he studied in, in his higher education was acting. Mm. he he enjoyed philosophy but he studied acting so he had a relentlessness towards the things that he did and and he he was he was adaptable in every sense because a lot of the orientals that went to the us or you know when they made movies in hong kong or in asia the reason they could never make it to the us was because they were never adaptive you know mm. it was always very you know the, the 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 Asian way of acting, which which was a which was a different kind of acting. They didn't they didn't try to merge the Western and the Asian world in the Asian world at the time. They were very Asian proud. This is how it should be done. It shouldn't be done that way. Whereas Bruce Lee kind of he adapted, mm-hmm. he flowed and he mixed the two forms together. That's why he became successful. Was because he he mixed the two worlds together. Whereas I found that a lot of the times people are very rigid. They're not willing to be water. No, this is the way I'm going to be and. You know, the Western countries like, this is where I'm going to be. He, he actually blended it, blended it and became successful. And that speaks to the adaptability and that also speaks to the, the fluidness. So, so to me, there's so many different angles. And, and if I had to look at an angle that I really, I, I take many angles and I think we should take turns in talking about this. But for me, the first thing is persistence is the one I connect with the most when I talk, think about the big water. You know, when, when I, when I started my magic career path, it was persistence, man. It was dropping the cards a hundred times, a thousand times, and then just playing 52 pick up all the time and going, I'm going to get this move. I remember this one move in, 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 in magic where you hold the packet of cards, you flip, you have a pack the, of cards? You flip- show us. Oh, okay. <laughs> let me, let me, let me go get, let me go get it. You, you talk to another point where I go get the packet of the cards.
1: All right. I interrupted your flow there, but I just want to see the trick. <laughs> well, while you go get the cards, you're speaking about persistence there. I would say the the one that really sticks out to me would be flexibility and having the flexibility in what it is you're doing, which I think is a really nice way of combining both of those points. It's probably the yin and yang of those two where – you're looking at it from a space of mastery and doing the same trick over and over again. And and I kind of look at water as being one of the things that is about going with the flow of it and then being flexible. So rather, and I think it's that combination of both taking the action and repeating the action, say, for example, for persistence, but then also then knowing how to then detach and then go with it and let whatever it is be and happen as it plays out. So
0: that, so that would be why the, the well I would love to sit on this a little bit more too but, mm. but uh, I get it like what what you're saying is just so I understand too it's kind of the emotional way of being water right yeah. it's the um, it, it, the emotional connection to water is that emotions come and go l- learn to let it come and go as opposed to you know sometimes we hold on to emotions especially if mm. they're negative sometimes or, or sometimes we feel a positive emotion we try to hold on to that positive emotion and when it goes it causes us pain yep. so so much so much pain is caused by trying to hold on to things whether it be you know people possessions or even emotions
1: yeah uh, also also from an action perspective though too because i think that there's two ways to an endpoint or or two one of two common ways and there's the one where you go with brute force will persistence, right? And mm. your, your deliberate practice, repeating it, honing in on that oh. one action. And then, and then there's the other side where can you detach from it, still have it in your mind, but then revisit it and then let it take place over a longer time horizon. So uh, that's another concept around timing. And if you look at fluidity and yeah. flowing, is, is the timing right? for that moment to happen. Well,
0: like, well like, now do you you're talking, have to
1: be doing do... something every single day, or can you come revisit it in six months time or a year's time when you're actually better placed to then be
0: able to deliver on it? Well, see, this is what the, the metaphor that you just made me think of is that means there is, there are times when you can go with the flow and go downstream and follow the current. Mm-hmm. As long as that's where you want to go. And that's taking you to your destination However, if your destination is upstream, then you have to go against the current. Yep. And, and it's about building the sensitivity in life to know when you need to be forceful and go against the current and when you need to go with it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, let's, let's take an example. Let's not be so esoterical about this. Let's talk about this year with COVID. And then let's, let's look at like the career path that I'm in, right? The speaking career. Imagine trying to go upstream and going, no, I'm still gonna hold live events. I don't care. And then you still hold live events. Like that, that is, that is, that's not going with the current. That 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 is, you need to have the sensitivity to go, no, you should go downstream at this point. You know, it, it's like retreating to fight another day. Sometimes I I I find myself going against the current and going, and it's exhausting, man. Do you know? It's it's just there are times when you should go where the water is flowing, and then there are times when you should go against it. And I think building sensitivity to know when to go against it and when to go with it, because I don't think it's either or. It's not always go with the flow, man. It's it's, it's not always yeah, that. It's not, it's not because if you it, always do, but well, I don't know. Is it? I mean, is 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 that what like Zen masters talk about when they seem so with the flow and everything? I can't do that yeah but but even zen masters they're they're practicing every single day
1: right so so yeah. it's a combination it's both it's, it's I like think most it things in life you know nothing's black and yeah. white right there it isn't is just a, one single display. way to really do do anything mm. but but it is interesting like I think as individuals, we're probably predisposed to a certain way or style, and then it's mm. maybe having that awareness so in regards to the game that you're playing or whatever it is that you're focusing on, how do you then apply that concept? Say whether it's of persistence or if it's of flexibility, call it two, two topics. Let's maybe sit on those two topics of persistence and flexibility. And, and even when you, when you look at the card example that you're going to share, it's, It's then also reflecting. So, say when you were going through that, what was the deeper lesson of the card? Like, because I'm, I'm guessing it wasn't that well, one trick that transformed your magic career. No, right? it's,
0: it's, it's no, it, it, I, I never use it in my magic career, but it was just a lesson that I learned from it. Right. So, so this is the simple thing, not simple. Oh, it's simple yeah. and it's complex. But the first thing I had to learn was how to, how to flick a card into the air. How do how do you just flick a card up like that? Like how do we how do we do that? So my air is on, so this is going to be very hard. But 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 it's just first of all was flicking it up and then catching it, that's awesome. <laughs> and then catching it right. I can do it. It's the aircon. But then the next thing, the next thing was flicking it and then catching it into the pack. So it was yeah. it was. Hold on, I'm going to get it. It was that. Yeah. And awesome. that that was the crazy thing is that the number of times I had to. L- do that, to even catch it in the pack the first time was thousands of times. Mm. And this this was me. And, and this talks to another point, which I'm going to just bring out. And then, and then let's, let's sit on this for all, because I think this is so good. But there's, there's a, here, yeah, I, I had to draw a bloody formula to understand this. <laughs> but, but Bruce Lee said something, right? Where he says, thought is the response of memory. And memory is always partial because memory is the result of experience. Thought is the reaction of the mind that is conditioned by experience. Okay, so let me just break that down a little bit. So what he's saying is that the things we experience in our lives, they lead to us having partial memory. Okay, so so what have you experienced so far in your life? You have a partial memory of it. And then those memories actually lead you to having the thoughts that you have. Therefore, simply stating that the experiences that you foster in your life, that you create in your life, will lead to the thoughts that you currently have. Mm. All right. So so to me, I, I kind of knew that the more experiences that I have where it it show or, or it has me experience the experience of success, the more positive thoughts I'll have about myself as a human being. And that's what the world of magic brought to me in a way that no other craft did because magic has so many little pieces of sleight of hand. And I knew that the more that I was able to do and do successfully, it then provides me the experience which leads to a big a big list of memories that then will foster really cool thoughts. Hmm. So, so the more and more experiences that I created for myself where I was able to do really epic pieces of magic, the more memories I had of me being successful, the more thoughts of me thinking, oh, I'm successful, I'm good at this, the more that I'm able to then do in my life because I have great thoughts that exist in my mind. So to me, the pursuit of sleight of hand was for that reason, without being conscious of it until I read this damn book. I didn't know why I got so addicted to sleight of hand. And I got addicted to it, not just for the pleasure of being able to do it, to me, it just filled my brain with good thoughts that I'm capable. Mm. And and the more thoughts I had in my brain because of the experiences that I had that led me to keep thinking, wow, I'm capable. I'm good at this. I'm good at this. I'm good at this. The more I thought about that, the better I got in life in yeah. general. I was oh, collecting I like- positive experiences that led to positive thoughts. I, like I, I
1: feel like you really summarized the. The, the true essence of mastery there. And he talks about it in the book at some point mm. where you weren't doing that because of the outcome. You weren't practicing sleight of hand to become the world's most famous magician or was- to get a TV special or yeah. to do something that was externally driven. You you actually committed to the that level of mastery because it was internally driven and it was something that very much aligned with, you developing that skill. And then as you just mentioned there, I think that's amazing how you articulated that because that's something that a lot of people struggle with when they spend a lot of time or effort mastering a skill or practicing a skill is understanding why is it that I committed so much to that craft or to that art Mm. or to that vocation. And a lot of us, we live life not knowing why did we go down that path and invest so much time, effort, money resources into it. Whereas I think that's where you beautifully kind of summarize it, that yeah, when you become good at something, it provides you with something internal or it might even just be the simple art of practicing it. Right? Like that was something that was drawing. You just, I just have to keep doing this. I want to keep unlocking greater levels of whatever this is that I'm working on.
0: Well, because, because every time I was able to do it, like think about this, right? Every time I caught the card in the pack, after it flies in the air, every time I'd caught it, it further anchored into me. I'm capable. Mm. You are good. And, 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 and why are we talking about this? So let's, let's wrap it all back to the beginning of what you said. Uh, again, the whole concept of being water in one way, being flexible. And then in the other, you're forcing it, right? You're, you're, so so, so to, to me, as you gain more mastery, your ability to be able to go against the current is stronger. Yeah, And when you have no mastery, this is where I think a lot of people can feel like, oh, you know, the, the waves of life are just crashing me into this, these rocks or those rocks. And, and a lot of times we, we lack the ability to, okay, let, let's, let's use this analogy so I can make sense of it because my mind is, again, just operating system is exploding. Think of this as a boat. And on a boat, you have a motor and you have a sail. All right. And there are times when you go with the wind and there are times you go against the wind, but you're in water. So we're connecting it to water in that sense. And I think the important thing is mastery helps you build a stronger engine that allows you to go against the current and it goes against the wind. So that when life does throw you something shitty, you can go through it, but to go through it, you need that, you know, kind of mental fortitude and you you need that mastery. you need skill, you need ability, but then you can't, you can't be so attached to that, you know, that, that mental fortitude and I'm going to just tough my way through it. I'm just going to push through it because there are times when you need to let go of that, open the sail and just go with where the wind takes you. Mm. But Like you said, you need both and and one of the ways to be motivated to to build a strong engine is to know that as you as you create experiences where you start to master things the moment you master something it unlocks in your brain belief about what's possible for you that's why it's great doing things that are hard because when you do things that are hard and you're able to achieve it you go oh man i am good i am capable so to me that that's why i would say yeah, build build that capability and, and and do try to master things because it does help you mentally. But I yeah. would be interested to hear about the sale. I would be interested to hear about how to let go and detach and then just flow. Mm. That's where I struggle because I spend a lot of time going, no, I'm going to just brute my way through this. Yeah, <laughs> which you're really good at all, letting go.
1: That that analogy is pretty perfect i think in terms of this this concept of being like water i love that idea of the motor is the engine and you know Mm. i was picturing when you were saying that i was picturing like a really big cruise ship yeah and you know you can get the boat super big whereas you can have 80 foot waves coming in at that thing and it's just going to pound through it right like that, that whereas if you've got a little dinghy with a couple of oars uh that's somebody with training wheels still on and they've just gone out there gotten stuck in the ocean probably a chance they Are going to die. And not really have to have the other side unless they get very lucky. So, so I, yeah. when I was picturing that, I think you're right. Like, there's yeah, we've touched on it a few times. It's it's the combination of both. But going back to the analogy of how do you be the sale? Well, well, the beautiful yeah. thing about the sale is. You don't have to do anything.
0: <laughs> you just you just sit there, right? Like no You have to put it up. No, no, there's a process <laughs> involved. There's a process involved in being able to flow. There, there's yeah. no way that you do nothing because even within the analogy itself, there's technique on how to put up the sale. Yeah. I think there's there's less brute force, but this is more about technique, right? it's more about what is the technique of being able to let go which i think really brings us back to the walking the breathing the yeah. but but is there more tactical is there more tactical things here that you can think of
1: yeah if i if the word that really stands out is the con- concept of detachment like how do you detach from something that you're attached to right because for detachment to happen Essentially, you have to be attached to it in the first place. Otherwise, you can't really detach from something that you're not attached to. Attached so I think mm. so. So that is a really important idea. Now, the only way that I could probably distill it is it comes down to probably awareness and being mindful of what it is that you're attached to to begin with. And then just mm. going through the process of asking yourself, well, is this attachment helping me? Uh, is it healthy uh, is it aligning me to whatever it is that i 'm trying to master or trying to achieve or trying to you know whatever it is that i'm trying to do to progress through life in whatever sense it is and and we 're all attached to certain things in some way, shape or form otherwise I think you're largely unconscious then you 're not really <laughs> experiencing or connected to the to the game of life so mm. it's more about where when you get over attached to something. How do you then let it go? And I think from a practical standpoint, another way of doing that is nearly the concept of fasting and completely releasing something. So say, for example, if if I'm having a coffee every single day and then it becomes part of my routine and I hear my inner self say that, oh, shit, I'm not in a good spot today because I'm going to add my morning coffee. That to me then says that something that I've been, I was really enjoying and that was helping me, I'm now too attached to. And it's actually having a negative impact. Because I now need this coffee. I think things that you're, maybe things that you're addicted to, if Mm. you can identify that list of things that you're really addicted to and then be like, all right, well, I need to take a break from this thing. Or can I do five days, seven days away from this and still be a relatively functioning and uh, normal human being? I think that's a pretty good sign of how do you then enact the sale component right? Because if you're sitting there and you're doing sleight of hand 23 hours of the day for four years, it's probably not ideal. Like, yeah, (laughs) you would have, you would have really mastered sleight of hand. Uh, But I think there'd be enough evidence there that you're too attached to sleight of hand right now. Yeah, Uh, There's probably other aspects (laughs) of your life that are then suffering right? Like that may be the only thing you'll have is blisters and a packet of cards and paper cuts, but you probably won't have much of a family, personal relationships, um, you know, a healthy body uh, connection to other things. So I think that is where maybe the sale comes into it. So you've got the motor always ticking away, which if you look at it, like, like even from a human body perspective, maybe, maybe the motor is the brain or, or the body or your muscles. And then the sale can be intuition. Or it could be heart or you know, feeling is probably the other part of that analogy. So how can you then tap into those things to then help guide it?
0: I I will never let go of coffee, just for the record. Yeah. <laughs> Th- thank you for using that example. But uh, no, but yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying is awareness no. is the first step. And yeah. I I can think of a way, way better example in terms of what I want to let go of and coffee. Why would you let go of coffee? You must be crazy. Yeah. I'm gonna yeah, drink to let it every go day coffee, until man. the day I die. Yeah,
1: I'm drinking one uh, but, right
0: now, but yeah, maybe that's our
1: maybe that's our challenge. <laughs> no, We've just no, I will not do that. <laughs> if,
0: if if seriously, if we did a coffee without, if we did a coffee without coffee, if we did a podcast yeah. without coffee, it would just be. So, what do you want to talk about next, darling? <laughs> I need my caffeine, dude.
1: Well, oh, what, what, i'm what, challenging you now to
0: let go of coffee no no <laughs> i'm not gonna let go of it no 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 look i know i know when to turn the rudder on okay i know when to turn this engine on and, and be forceful and this is one of those times it's yes. on level 10 maximum rudder you have no chance water but coffee. what 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 i want to what i want to bring attention to is the importance of that awareness mm. like one area for me man is is my phone right yeah. So this was paired by watching the social dilemma, like watching the social, even before the social dilemma, the, the the documentary. You brought my attention to and and awareness to how addicted I was to my phone. I mean, the first person to to give credit to is my wife. Is I was losing so much of my life to my phone, and its awareness frightened me. But being scared wasn't enough. It took the like. It it took my relationship almost deteriorating because I spent so much time on this thing. It it took a lot of pain before I actually made the move. Like I've deleted now Facebook off my phone. I've deleted LinkedIn off my phone. It's just it was robbing me of living because it put me into a state of flow that was negative, Hmm. right? Because that that was a huge sale. That the moment I put that sale up. I was gone, and I'd disappear for hours at a time, just watching video after video after video, yeah. and, You're and just and describing th- all of us. <laughs> it's- yeah, but 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 that's it's, it's, it's so scary because I, and and I'm not I'm not saying this to 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 appear enlightened and and like I'm better than everyone else because I still have YouTube as an app on my phone because I go oh but I'm listening to podcasts. Yeah, but Vin, if you're being honest, mate, you also got like I fall into traps of watching really cute animals. I'm like yeah, I is. don't fall victim to this, but I do. <laughs> and it's it's so scary because you find yourself almost defending it, going, Oh, but I need escapisms. Mm. But there are there are healthier escapisms that you can you can have, you know, and and, and it's it's just Again, it, it's it's learning how to put the sale up for things that are good, but also being aware that there are some sales that will just, man, it will take you for a journey, and and you won't realize it. And it's been four hours, and that sale was so damn strong that that now you've you, you've arrived at you know waste of time island, mm. Mm. and Ooh. it's just you've you've got to be so careful with that. But but I, again, awareness is critical. I think if people sat down and 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 did what you just said and write down where where am i where am i addicted sure okay caffeine is one of them write it down be aware of it don't just be blindly you know be, don't, don't just be blindly addicted be conscious enough to be aware of where you're going i yeah. mean one of the passages that bruce lee wrote in here well, was really powerful and that's just going off by memory now which oh it's is not going to be good that <laughs> he says something about when you wake up make the decision to be fully conscious yeah, and it'll be one of the most powerful things you do. Mm-hmm. That's what I think he's speaking to is just being fully conscious of, of just being fully self-aware of what what's pulling me and what's good for me and what's bad for me and just auditing that. Am I eating too much crap? Am I drinking too much caffeine? Am I using my phone too much? Am I spending too much time playing games? I think just that full awareness of living is… Yeah. It's a powerful state of mind to be in at least once a week because I think we, we often find ourselves in a trap of autopilot. Well, the interesting thing with call it
1: areas in life where we overdo it or vices or addictions is what, what creeps in is like I think nearly virtue signaling where certain yes. things are categorized as bad when they're overdone yeah. and then certain things are celebrated and categorized as really good when overdone. But the reality is is if your identity or if you're too reliant on whatever that thing is, it's probably worthwhile questioning it and exploring it a little bit further. Because, like, Mm. you could have some people that are addicted to exercise. Now, that will get celebrated, right? But there's still probably a potential downside to it. Or people that are addicted to work, it's celebrated. Mm. Oh, like, John comes in it. 5 a.m. and leaves at midnight. It's like yeah, well, yeah. that's probably not ideal. Like how much is John actually getting done during the day? Like like these are the other things yeah. where it's not black and white. It's not like certain things are amazing when overdone and then certain things are really terrible, but I think as a society what we've done is we've identified some of those things. Like like say for example, like drinking or smoking cigarettes or something like that, right? Like th- th- that's something that for good reason gets a very ne- negative rap and it's something where there's groups set up to help people overcome that addiction and it's count- nearly a witness or a negative if you're addicted to it. But the reality is it's no right. different to being addicted to drinking too much water or eating too much cheese, which is, you know, like, like that's the bit that kind of gets me is we, we look at the, the things that are bad call it and there's a lot more, I guess, support or awareness around overcoming those. But then there are other things that are counted as good, but I think they still have a really similar negative mm. experience. Like, like I remember my wife, Chantel, telling me, she's like, um, it's it's interesting. Like the thing that you're most addicted to, which would probably be working, hiding away in the office, sitting there doing things, entrepreneurship, whatever it is. It's like, that's kind of yeah. celebrated. Like you it really get sell like I I get a free pass that says that oh I can go away for four weeks in my own head <laughs> and build something and if it's successful it gets celebrated and it's wow what an awesome thing. You've you've done well with it. But the reality is it's still one form of being overly attached and probably addicted to in in a sense.
0: Well you get it you get a free pass from your peers, but you don't get a free pass from your wife. <laughs> no. No, nah. well, and- but, but that's, that's the beautiful balance, right? Is that you, you're so true in that there, there are certain, there are so many things that get celebrated in society that because of the, celebra- the over-celebration of those things, people don't see the darker side of it. Mm. You know, it's, yep. it's, it's again, it's like the, the the more money you make, the more successful you are, but people also don't realize the the more sometimes depressed you become and the more isolated you are because of all the things, the friendships and relationships you had to sacrifice to be able to achieve those high levels of success. It, it's, it's dangerous. Yep. And um, then that to me is that to me is when you've put the sail up and now you're like initially you were riding the, the, the motor of intensity and then that motor now has become you, you forgot to turn it off. <laughs> And you're just leaving yeah. it on and you're just going against the current for too long. Whereas <laughs> well, I think life, life has a natural way of telling you, hey, you're off course. Yeah. And you've got to learn to listen to that. Because I think, I think in, in, in this analogy, if, if we were going to, oh gosh, I don't even know if this analogy is going in the right direction anymore, <laughs> but let's just use it anyway. Keep going. I feel with like, it. yeah, just keep going with it. I feel like, okay, so, so you're in the boat, you've got the motor and you've got the sail. I think the wind is the force of good in that it, it always reminds you where you've got to come back to. But if you listen to just the wind, it will take you into an airy-fairy state of do nothing, mm. which maybe is the ultimate state of being, right? But it's... I, I See, I'm, I'm now... Okay, the, the program just died.
1: Yeah. blue screen see, of death just came on. <laughs> I think I think the wind's still external though. So I think it's hard to call the wind the uh, the force of good. Like I'd say the boat is the force of good because that's the most centered thing. It's the thing that's most relative to where you're currently at. You know, like the
0: motor is it's still the present. Uh,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you being in the boat is really it. Because say even you've got the motor going, the sail's good, like then the other esoteric question is like, where are you going?
0: Yeah, that's bloody
1: like. And what's it matter? Like, say if the wind blows that way or if the motor well,
0: doesn't work. Well, the, or, like, well, like well here's the thing. the journey, right? You, you, yes. Well, you have to know where you're going to know when to use the sail and when to use the engine. And the motor, yeah. Well, because if you, if you don't know where you're going, then what's the point of even using the engine? Just <laughs> bloody put on the sail and just drift wherever you want. Yep. And I think, oh, Bruce Lee has a quote gosh, I'm not going to be able to find it now because I've just got 50,000 notes put here. But, but this is what one of these quotes says, right? He, he says that, no, I'm going <laughs> to find it. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Let's find it. Let's not, uh, here we go. So it's page seven. This is the danger of books like this. Is this, that there is too much good stuff. <laughs> no, I'm not going to be able to find it. There's too many notes now. <laughs> Our what, what yeah. What what he was saying was that the destination is, again, it's the, it's the whole wisdom of the destination is not important. It's the journey that is important. And the reason we have goals is so that we just, we just, the reason we have goals is not to attain the goal. The reason we have goals is just to move towards a certain direction. The attainment of the goal or the the you reaching that destination is, is not of importance. What is important is that having a goal just gives us a sense of direction in a period of life, right? I, I never thought, I thought that goal setting was purely for the attainment of the goal. And then when you don't attain the goal, you failed. But Bruce Lee's kind of thoughts on that was, no, 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 you haven't failed because you've moved in that direction. And the moving in the direction, the journey of going in that direction was the purpose of that goal. Because goals always change. The destination of where you want to go in this boat always changes. So even if I set this goal of going in this direction, going north, even if I didn't get all the way there, I went 40% of the way there, that goal has served its purpose. Because now once I got 40% of the way, I'm now, I now want to turn east and that's okay. So to me, that was beautiful in flexibility and really identifying for me what goals truly do. Goals are just a direction in the moment. Yeah. And, and I really love that because it gives so much, again, flexibility and fluidity to the journey. The journey doesn't have to be, I want to be a millionaire. I currently make $100,000. I have to make a million dollars. Like it's not so rigid. But rather, rather that can be the immediate and the initial kind of motivation. But then as you go on your journey, once you get to about half a million dollars a year, you go, hey, I kind of want to seek more purpose and fulfillment as opposed to just hitting the number for the sake of hitting a number. Mm. Whereas for me, I used to be so rigid in my goals, but now I'm way more flexible with my goals.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, it's interesting when you set the big goals and the big ones usually take a, a pretty long time and a lot of effort to get there. And, it, and always, I don't know if it's the same for you, but I always find that nearly when you're about 80 or 90% on the way to achieving it, it nearly loses its level of excitement that it had when there was that uncertainty in the goal not being achieved. Like when you can start feeling that it's within the grasp, it's like, yeah. and then when you achieve it, like you... Most of the time, the actual achievement of the goal is nowhere near as satisfying as the really tough parts of the attainment of that goal. So, going back to your point about the journey and and then shifting it and moving it, and I think I'm not sure if you're the same, but I'll find it when I'm about seventy or eighty percent of the way towards a goal, that goal will likely change or move a little bit too, or get redefined. Um,
0: I think I think that's where we're different. Yeah, I think that's where we're different. Because for me, the closer I get to catching the cards with the packet of cards, the more I am drawn to it. Because to me, the feeling of being able to do it is it, mm. it, it brings me a state. It brings me a euphoric state. Mm. So I, I again, it, it's for me. I think there's the, you know because again, I think that people are different, right? I think there's many different types of people, and we all are drawn by different things. But it, but it's understanding. It's understanding how to to manoeuvre this boat, to 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 have the, the most wonderful journey ever. But then you've got to understand that, that there are many different types of captains that will want to take this boat to on, on many different types of journeys. And it's it's oh bloody k. No one not everyone doesn't have to live the way you bloody live, you know. And I think that is a wonderful thing to let go of and empty your cup with. I think we 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 easily want other people to live the way we live. I, I think there's there people have that. You know, again, my parents had that for me. I wanted my son to do this. I wanted him to do that. Oh, he's not doing that. Oh, it brings me so much pain that he wouldn't do that. You know, it's like, gosh, I think the the I think the purpose of being a parent is teaching our children how everything works on this boat. You're going, all right, son, this is how you, you strengthen the rudder. This is how you strengthen, you know, this is if, if the engine turns off, this is how you turn it back on. If the sail tears, this is how you repair the sail and and take advantage of the wind. You know, this is how you, this is how you steer and navigate. So, so I think for me, if I was to use this analogy and and I know we're, we're going into the woo woo now, bloody hell, (laughs) but it's, it's, I am of the person that I do enjoy arriving at destinations Mm. and I often enjoy arriving at destinations so much that I forget about the enjoyment of the journey. Whereas for you, you enjoy the journey so much that sometimes you forget about the enjoyment and the pleasure that can be derived from actually arriving at a destination. Yep. This is why we have, I think, such a beautiful kind of yin and yang. Again, it's not yin and yang, as Bruce Lee corrects us. (laughs) It's it's yin yin yang. yang. You you and I have the yin yang friendship in that we, we kind of balance each other out. You know whereas I forget about the journey of life I forget about the enjoyment of putting up the sail sitting back and relaxing. I'm just like must head to destination at all costs forget joy, forget fun you know it's about the attainment of the ability and the attainment of this and 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 more and more as our friendship kind of grows i i I learn from you ali the importance of just just go mow the lawn brother it's for no you know just go do it. And mowing it. Oh, the smell of cut grass. Beautiful. I,
1: lo- I love. I think that we've that's sat lesson, long enough on this one. <laughs> yeah, I love that that's a lesson when I've never mowed the lawn in my entire life. That's brilliant. But I'm glad yeah. that that was, <laughs>
0: that was something that I shared. Yeah. Never- <laughs> Man, that's hilarious. Yeah, you've, you've made me do things you've never even done, you bastard. Yeah, that's, yeah, hilarious.
1: That's, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Well, that goes back to um, the teaching analogy, right? It's not the what, it's
0: the how. Well, I think the importance here is, is to really share the idea of... <laughs> okay, another quote from Bruce Lee so we can move on. And, mm-hmm. and it leads to a point that I'm going to say. Knowledge is of the past, learning is of the present. All right? Knowledge is of the past, learning is of the present. Which, which speaks to the idea of, this is why we need to continually learn. Mm-hmm. How, how, much, how much of your life are you, like, let's, again, let's say we're in this boat and you're mm-hmm. living and you're going about your duties. Are you living your present life with knowledge that is ancient? Because that's dangerous. Yeah. That is dangerous. It, it's like my parents growing up they they didn't teach me to invest they didn't teach me to you know buy properties or put money into shares or anything to, to, to my parents because of their past experiences that led to them being filled with negative thoughts and kind of thoughts that are all about security <laughs> a lot of my uncles and aunties they would just have cash and wrap it up in newspapers and rub, wrap it with rubber bands and stash it around the house and they would teach me to do the same thing. They're like, yeah. look, it's always important to have cash stashed around the house. Yeah. Yeah. And imagine I I took that knowledge on board and, and ran with it, right? I'll just have a house filled with cash. Like that's not yeah. smart. We'll post your address so, at the bottom of the yeah, comments. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but, you know, I would admittedly tell you, I actually do have one stash of it because <laughs> – and i have it because of the past knowledge please don't rob me people but it's because it's because i because you know us doing this is us understanding mm. that learning is of the present and if we don't learn and only base all our decisions and our strategic thinking for the future based on past knowledge we're not doing ourselves any favors mm. it's why learning is so valuable it's it's why i love doing this with you because I, I learn on the call when we're doing these talks, and I also learn while I'm reading. And, and knowing we're gonna do this makes me read in a different way. Yeah. Well, how many
1: times is I it after the episode where we send each other a message and it's like, geez, I never saw that in the yeah. It's even post the well, analysis.
0: And and it's so important for me. There was a moment before when I said, Oh, 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 it's the screen, the blue screen of death. Mm. It's so important for that's the that's old knowledge for me dying mm. that's me eradicating old knowledge and bringing on new that's the emptying of the cup which is hard man because we get attached to things we know it's like mm. it's the whole old old in my mind it's the old man thing is like but that's the way it always is mm. you know it's like it's the shaking off of that which is actually really hard to do mm. i i mm. Yeah, see, blue screen of death yeah. again. See? Well, it's hard. It's really hard to, to shake off previous beliefs and values. You know, it's like, it's, like, it's like being a scientist. Scientists, again, I bring them up again because I admire them. They're, they're, they're forever trying to prove themselves bloody wrong. It's, it's like the whole concept of
1: the ego, which is, I think, gained a lot of popularity over the last few years in heaps of books, right? around how do we identify with our identity and our beliefs and all the knowledge that we've learned. And I think that's what resonated when you were speaking about that is once you've acquired knowledge and you've done things and you've heard so many different ways that other people do it, like we read a lot and you get that point of view in, like how do you then actually detach from something and then take essentially beginner's mind? Like I love that when you go and try something that you've never tried before. And you're a complete noob. You have no idea what's going on. Like, I did it with stand-up comedy a few years ago. You did, and yeah. And not, not funny at all. Like, Chantel's first <laughs> sentence was, why would you do stand-up? still but not I'm funny. I mean, you're still not funny. funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still not funny <laughs> even after doing it. But it was that whole thing about just doing something <laughs> that scared the absolute shit out of me. You know, it wasn't even about you- being good at it or tried to master it is purely just that feeling of uncertainty and going into something where you've got no skill set no ability no real prior knowledge of how to do it um it is something that's daunting it's in front of other people it's really binary as well in terms of being successful like people either laugh or they don't there's no in between like you can't kind of be okay at it or kind of have a good joke it's either a good joke or a shit one like there's no yeah. real... uh Just reality. You know. yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm guessing it's probably similar with magic, right? Where the trick either yeah, works it is. or it's a is. complete but, disaster. Like there's no in between.
0: Why, <laughs> why is that important to you to do things like that? Because is because is that to you the... Is that the learning and... Yeah. Is that the... Uh, dis- well, well, again, I'll like, bring it back, right? It's knowledge is of the past and learning is of the present. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So So...
1: Why it's do you do that? Why rigid? do you
0: like doing that? I think it's a way of like change
1: or emptying the carps. Pruning, right? It's like it's like yeah. kind of pruning
0: the pruning the, mm-hmm. the
1: garden, right? Well well, if you go back to the water analogy, I think it's the it's trying to like put in rapids or a big wave when the water's getting a little bit too still. Like, like I like mm. doing these stale challenges. water challenges yeah. as well.
0: Yeah. Like
1: it's stale water, right? Like so it's like how do you then just shake the bottle up a little bit because it's easy to get comfortable. And when I'm feeling, I get uncomfortable by that feeling of too much comfort. I like that change or something a little bit out there that then is an intensive block. So whereas, you know, and again, where we're different, where you'll go into probably an intense block of mastery. Like you won't do it in short term bursts. Like if you commit to something, you're likely going to do it highly engaged, longer time horizon. And, knowing you, you'll probably become one of the best in the world at doing it. Whereas I like doing a variety of different things in intense blocks, you know, eight to 12 weeks challenges where you go in. And then if I like it, then I'll revisit it. But I'll probably revisit it over sometimes a five, 10 year period. Uh, but I won't do it intensely all the time or practice it all the time. I'll go in and, in and out. Whereas that that for me keeps the water flowing and new experiences trying to unlock. And I think that's just more, it's again, it's related to a belief system of always changing and trying new Always learning. Always learning and just experiencing. Like uh, even growing up, I always had that thing. It's not like, oh, just go to one country. It's like, can we go to all the countries and experience all of the different cultures? And all you can eat analogy. It's not just having one meal. It's can yeah. you have 50 different types? Like that, that's probably just more of an internal it. thing where – yeah, it's putting it out there. Whereas, see, probably for me, it would be actually honing in on something for three years intensely every single day. Like that is probably the
0: next level of comfort zone that I need to crack. Well, I can tell, tell you now that like, like, like we said, right, you, you love variety. And, and, you know, the analogy we use in our friendship all the time, which is mm-hmm. really cool, is that, you know, you're the general because in that very word itself, like in, in, you know, in the army, like you're the general, but in that word itself, it's like you're a generalist you 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 have such broad knowledge and you know enough about most things to be able to make very strategic decisions very well whereas i'm i'm a specialist and we often say in our friendship that you know you're, you're the, the general that sends me out <laughs> and i'm the sniper and 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 i can really but but that's why again i think being being self-aware as you go through life about who you are currently in your life because maybe at some point in my life i can be a general and a generalist as well but right now i know that i'm a specialist Right. And I think, again, it just comes back, that self-awareness is so important, but to bring it back to the quote that, you know, again, knowledge is of the past, being conscious of that is really important. I think throughout this journey of life, Mm. because it's so easy to get stuck with only. And again, another analogy we use is operating system, right? We, we tend to, we go, Oh, I wonder what operating system I have in my brain right now, Mm. because, you know, are you at a Windows ninety five, or are you at a you know, a, you know, you know, Windows two thousand, or Windows XP, or whatever the latest yeah, window is, is yeah, now? Yeah. and I think you have to constantly learn to update the operating system, which will allow you to navigate the future. I mean, imagine you were you, mm. you, think about the operating system that you need now to be able to navigate COVID in many different industries. Like, if I didn't, if I didn't bring on, if I didn't learn in the present. And started learning how to stream and build a whole damn studio behind me. I wouldn't be able to serve all of my clients. Mm. So it's it's an important point, which which I want to throw it back to you now. I want to let's keep moving. Otherwise, water doesn't move, gets stale. So throw throw another <laughs> one. Let's throw another one, and then I've I've got plenty more. Seriously, this podcast could last forever. Like before we okay.
1: I want to wrap that up around learning. Right is. Okay. How do you go about what you pick to learn? Well, okay, we and what's something you're learning learning about at the moment? Like, just say if, uh, if you're listening yeah. to it, like, what's uh? It's that's interesting, interesting, you said. Like, how do we select what we pick to learn? Because we like growth, we're obviously very aligned with that.
0: Well, let's use process. the example of how how I picked the next book for us. Right, so mm. the next book we picked was a book by Bernie Brown. And I picked that book, Ali, because I think I have an inkling and I think this is, I think it's not an inkling. I think it's actually true. Mm. I feel I'm very bad at loving myself. I, I, I don't think I'm very good at that. I don't think I'm kind to myself. And I picked the book that I picked because I want to learn how to do some more Inner work. That's not to do with entrepreneurship. That's not to do with building a business, monetizing something, and making money. But it's a bit, bit of self work. And I almost feel like there's a part of me that needs, there's a part of me that needs a bit of healing. And it's why I picked that book. Mm. So to me, learning for me comes in the form of reading. Right now in my life, and, and for for a long time in my life, it, it comes in that form. That's why I picked that book because I had some emotions that were bubbling, and I went, ah. Oh, so I just Googled some of those words and I put book on the end <laughs> and Bernays' book came up and I went, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll dive into that to see what that's about. And I can tell you now, dude, I've read the first chapter of that book and I went, hmm, this is good for me.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I love what you yeah. just said there as a, as a practical tip, like put in the things that are running through your head with the word, book, book on the end internet. into Google. I'm not even and- kidding. And get the, the top three books and, that have the highest yeah. Amazon ratings and you've you probably
0: got a mini and course. And download it. And yeah. download it. And it will cost you $45 to do, do those three things. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's what I always do, right? Like it's when, when my, part of my, you know, my wife and I went through a period where I, I wasn't a good listener, you know, because I get paid to speak. I don't get paid to listen. <laughs> and, and, and to me, I wasn't a good listener. So I just remember typing, like, I'm not listening book. I'm a terrible listener book. And then all these books came out and I read a whole bunch on, on listening and it helped my relationship significantly. So that's, that's how I – that's my guide to learning. <laughs> yeah, You're bad that. at lead generation? Lead generation book. You know, just, yeah, yeah. just book on the end of whatever you search. I think it's such a cool practical
1: hack there. But there's another How do you about, How do you do it? Well, the bit that I liked about what you just said then was you kind of – go inside yourself like what's the thing that's bubbling away and maybe it ties back to the cup overflowing analogy is i think what i'll do is i'd be looking at where where do i have a gap in skill or knowledge or curiosity right now where if i'm asking myself a question i can't really answer that question and what knowledge do i need at this moment that i need to then bridge the gap with so to say recently i think the big one was Probably, I don't know, whether it's mindfulness or connectedness was one, just probably going through the the pandemic period and right. finding that center, whereas usually I, I'd have it relatively locked away pretty solidly. I think I found that I lost it a little bit. So then it was just, yeah, really similar process, like what books are available that help with getting that back on track. Um, probably two, three months ago, there was... Uh, a time when greater leadership was required. So it's like, all right, mm. you know. Uh, new, and, and that's the other thing with knowledge. It evolves and it changes over time. Like if I look at leadership books that I would have read 10 years ago or five years ago, there's different mm. concepts now. Like, like say, for example, one that I really got into was the way that Netflix go about, the way that they lead their their organisation. There's been a couple of really, that was really interesting.
0: Can you share a couple released. of nuggets from that? Share a couple yeah, of nuggets for that because I, I, I love that hiring and firing thing. That was, that was so yeah. insightful.
1: Like there, there's lots in the Netflix approach, I think, especially around culture within an organization. Yeah. And we're going off track here probably in the yeah. theme of it. But, but I remember there was one is what I really like about Netflix is two, two that stood out is how they really view themselves as a high-performance team. And they, they have something even internally within the organization which is called the keeper rule where an employee mm. and an employer will have a discussion and rather than a traditional performance review, uh, they'll ask the last question is, uh, right now, would you fight to keep me? You know, like that's, that's a really big question that st- sits within the organization. And, and then that employee and the employer will then have that honest and open conversation. I think it's three categories. It's like, yes, I would definitely fight. Uh, one mm. is like a medium sort of far, uh, I would, but there's areas that need to be improved on for me to really fight. And then the other would, yeah. the third would be probably not. So we need to really look at reviewing that. And I thought that it's just a really cool sort of framework there. That was one that stood out. But they have heaps where, you know, just the way that they go about making decisions and taking risks, like how they've developed shows in different markets and encourage innovation well, within the organization. But I think, I think going back see- to the learning concept. Sorry. Man.
0: No, no. I was just going to say one more thing before you move on to the learning concept. Hold that thought just for a second. Mm. What I was going to say was, you see, that one little piece of knowledge can easily change the way you think moving forward. Let's say you're an employee. Let's say you work for someone, and you go, "Wow, I now have that piece of knowledge in my head." In terms of, if I asked to leave right now, would my boss fight for me? If If I was somebody's employee and I I wanted to say rise in the ranks or whatever, I think to myself, man. Right now, based on my kind of performance, my boss probably wouldn't fight for me. That would shift me into a different gear. Mm. But that yep. that that thought may not even come about because again, if your knowledge bank is just based on prior knowledge and your prior knowledge did not include that piece of knowledge, you may not be motivated. And then you're forever thinking, I don't understand why I'm not being promoted. Yep. I, I just sure. I think again, that's it's just it's so interesting how like that piece of knowledge just Fired me up in terms of the way I work with my clients because I just look at them oh sure they're my boss right even though I work for myself or my own boss but it's like but I work with clients so momentarily my clients are my boss yep. and it's Ooh. would they fight for me and I love that I love that well, that just motivates well, you me so it, much you can use it for everything nearly anything where
1: there's a relationship because if you if you break down relationships just in general they're, they're usually based mm. on an exchange of value you know I think we've spoken about this before whether it's a parent-child relationship, employee-employer, a marriage, whatever it is, mm. an exchange of value. And I think that the deeper concept that that "Will you fight for me?" question goes through is: is my value in this exchange high? Is it high enough for that mm. other party or person to want to fight for me? And I think, especially in if you look at it from a professional standpoint, you know, can you recession-proof yourself? Like that's the mm. other thing is. Yeah, in times of really great economic prosperity, it can sometimes like your performance and the amount of accountability that you have on it can be band-aided over, you know, because the company's going well or the organization's going well. So you get the benefits of the flow or the downstream flow. But then it's in times of recession and Mm. say economic downturn where that question of, well, geez, like right now, where do I sit in that pecking order or in that value exchange sort of area? And then taking that accountability and the ownership of it. Like what can I then do from an action perspective to make myself a no-brainer? So you're just mentioning that. Like what is it? what did you do when you yeah. from a well, well, standpoint let, with your let, client?
0: Let's create the difference between your world and my world, right? It's because the difference – well, we're in the same world. I mean my kind of entrepreneurship is that I have a new boss all the time. So that question for me is always being asked. Mm. Does that make sense? Because mm. I might serve one of my clients for a month. I might create a program for them and I take three months to do it. But every month, every week I have new bosses. And the question of whether they will fight for me or not is asked almost weekly. Mm. So then I, I, I'm, I'm in a position where I have to get my clients to fight for me because if they didn't fight for me, I wouldn't have gotten that gig in the first place. And and when you're constantly being put in that position, you have a different frame of mind. Whereas let's say you're an employee. If you're an employee, you can get comfortable because you don't ask, you're not asked that question every single yeah. week. You're not asked, "Oh, I wonder if my boss would fight for me this week." You don't sometimes you don't ask yourself that for your entire career, right? And and so to me as an entrepreneur where where you know, I work for many different clients, because I have, I get asked that question every time and it's a forefront of my mind now, even you've, when you told me that it motivated me so much because it made me go, man, I want my clients to fight like hell for me. Mm. And, and, and to me, if my client's willing to fight like hell for me, well then man, that's, you know, it means I'm adding value. It means I'm valuable. And that make, that makes me feel really good. I, I, yeah. I don't have the, but, but there are times when my career is going good and so there are moments where I coast, but when the pandemic hit, I could not coast, man. Mm. I, I had yeah. to get better. I had to become so good they couldn't ignore me. I had no other choice. And, and being kind of an operation like me, my, my team is very small. If we aren't exceptional, man, we are invisible right now. And yeah, whereas I, I think I think a lot of the times people have the benefit of being able to be invisible and still just coast. And that's dangerous and, and you know it's hard to open up those conversations. I can only imagine what it's like if I employed a few people like that. It's just it's difficult to do that because but, but yeah, you know it's just But again, back to what we're saying, right? Notice how that one piece of knowledge can create such a deep and meaningful Piece of conversation that we just had. Mm. And imagine people understood that. Imagine, you know, people who are listening to this right now, let's say you're working for someone. Imagine you had that piece of knowledge now. That would make you a better team player. And all of a sudden, you'd go, man, I'm a part of the ship. I need to up my game. And then the moment you up your game, you upped your value. And if you wanted to leave now, they'd fight for you. So if they fight for you, guess what that equates to? Pay rise. And if that's one of the things you care about, boom, you just got one of the things you care about because you ended up adding more value. Mm. And then you add more value, they give you a pay rise, you feel better because you feel like you're you know you added more value, you know, you contributed more. Like again, it's just this wonderful cycle upwards as opposed to the mm. cycle downwards because of the lack of knowledge. Because when you don't have the the awareness that they're not willing to fight for me, then you just keep doing less and less and less, get less fulfillment, hate what you do even more, get paid less. And, and yeah, so it's it's a it's a yep. vicious cycle. And often it just is because a lack of knowledge. Mm. It's it, it even goes
1: back to fluidity, I think, and from performance. What I loved about your world that you just spoke about is you don't really get a free pass. Like you can't just go in and put in five crappy keynotes or deliver a, a rubbish course or deliver that for your client because the, the feedback's so immediate and there's yeah. so much riding on it where you don't really get to have an off day. You need to be on point most of the time. And, and I love that because it, it aligns with, say, professional sports. You know, like, like you could be the best player for five mm. or six years, but when you start having a bad season or you string yeah. together five or six bad games, you might get a little bit of leeway but you're not going to get that much. Whereas I think yeah. the the interesting thing with the employee-employer relationship, especially at larger organisations, and mm-hmm. if I think about it in Australia, for example, if you look at, say, the public sector, government roles, that, that's probably an area without pigeonholing and offending a very large um, portion of our society that work in those positions. But there's so many protections in place that yeah, yeah. allow and nearly encourage Mediocre performance because there isn't much accountability, and it, it's this interesting framework that happens in different organisations. And I don't know, just personally, I think that I, internally we want to be part of high-performing teams where there is that and there's that growth and there's excitement. Well, Whereas you can kind of feel when somebody's coasting or past the prime, nearly, or whatever it is.
0: Like, yeah, it, it, well, but, it's but, an but that's I, I also. Also, that's because of usually infrastructure cripples mm. growth, and also it poor does. leadership. Yeah. you know, just disables that growth. And I've seen this happen to some of the closest people in my life, where they they work for organisations and they have terrible leaders and terrible infrastructure. That that like I, again, I know this person has so much talent and potential, and it's it's, it's just not being evoked mm. at all. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a, sh- it's a shame. It's a shame. But look, I think let's keep the water flowing. Otherwise, let's uh, keep
1: the water flowing. Okay.
0: Wait, is it, is it your turn or is it my turn? I don't know. Do you have one on shame. the top of your head? I do. I'll oh, have a look. I do. Okay. I've got one right here. This one, short again, but just so damn potent. It's ridiculous. Dreams are future realities. Yesterday's dreams are often tomorrow's realities. Oh, oh I love that so much. That is just, oh. Mm. That is so delicious in every way. It's, to me, this makes me think this. How often do people allow themselves to dream before Mm -hmm. their pragmatic mind kicks in and goes, oh, stop thinking that, that's stupid. And I'm a dreamer. I love dreaming. I think it's fun. I think it's exciting. But the way Bruce Lee put it is that dreams are actually your future realities like that's that's mm. how you like and if you don't dream then what is your future reality consist of is it monotony is it the same old and and it just to me i just wanted to share that thought because allow yourself to dream i've i've been i've been i share this this message at least once a year on social media it's just just allow yourself to dream a little even if you don't act on it, just allow yourself to dream. Don't don't lose that ability to dream up an incredible and a ridiculous life. Otherwise, when you when you stop yourself from doing that, I think then it's so easy to fall into a boring story that you may not mm. fall in love with. You know, or, or just you may fall into monotony. Right? Yep. I love that. And, and 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 it's funny. Bruce Lee Bruce Lee talks a lot about dreams, but one of his other things before before sorry, I'm just mm. before he 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 also talks about backing it up by action. So even though he says dreams are future realities, he goes be a practical dreamer mm. by by backing it with action again because you know he's a martial art man. You know he dreams, but then he backs it up with action. So so of course there's there's that too. What were you going to say? No, I was, just,
1: I was having a look at. Uh, one of the quotes in there, but yeah, I think going back to dreaming again, let's, let's turn it practical. Mm. Like how did everyone always gets told that, right? Like follow your dreams, find yourself, find your purpose. And I don't know, I might be naive, but I, I'm, I've always been a believer that, you know, every individual has a point of being here. Like, I think we've all got, Some unique piece of value or purpose to play out. And maybe that's just one of my sort of philosophies. It's, you know, all life forms or beings do. Like, if there has to be some reason why Mm. this exists and why it's placed. Now, I think sometimes we might overvalue our significance of whatever that purpose might be. And that, that can be dangerous. But I think there's always a point, right? Like, whether it's, being a good friend, or it's being a plant that provides oxygen to to others. Like like, it seems like everyone's there to to play a role and and play a part in it. Going back to the dreams mm-hmm. analogy, is let's assume that every individual has dreams has has a dream that they need to go and pursue. How does one find that dream?
0: I think one of the first steps. Is to allow yourself, <laughs> yeah, to dream. I mean, if if I was to share a a dream of mine, which which again, I think people will think this is really strange, but it's okay. I, I <laughs> this is my dream, and I allow myself to dream, and I, I I I'm in a moment in the moment right now trying to not fear what other people think <laughs> and judge. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. Well you know this one already. There are people that I really love in my life that I really love spending time with. And I've always had this dream that wouldn't it be amazing to buy a really big block of land and to all live together. And again this is this is just this dream of mine, right? Because I have these human beings in my life where we can sit and do nothing and our level of happiness is at its peak. And the mere act of being in each other's presence is enough to bring joy. There's no need to be doing something fun. There's no need to be eating yummy food. It's just it, regardless of what we do in life, we just the connection and the sense of community that I feel when I'm with these people is just, it, it's unreal. And you are one of them, Ali. And it's just, for me, I always think, and I dream out loud this a lot to, to, to my, to my tribe. And mm-hmm. I say that, why don't we look for like a big block of land and build like a, beautiful place where we all can live. Wouldn't that be amazing? Think about the joy we would have. Our kids get to grow up. They get to be around each other, a sense of community in a world now where people are so isolated and, and, you know, people barely know their neighbors, let alone have deep connections with their friends where they can have conversations like this to grow spiritually, emotionally, mentally, intellectually, like just wouldn't that be great? And, and I, this is one of the first times I'm kind of sharing it, you know, in a public kind of sense. But it's just for me to even allow myself to verbalize that to my tribe took years, dude. I, I, I and 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 to allow, like, to 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 share that verbally with others was was it took years. But then to even allow myself to muster up that dream took years again. I've had this kind of thought in the back of my head for so long. And I think it comes down to if we're going to talk pragmatic on the how again, Mm. Bruce Lee says this analogy too. The only way to let, you know, if you've got a bottle of water and you've got a bunch of dirt in it, the only way to let the dirt settle is to be still. That's the only way. It's it's the only way to, to check. Do you have any of those dreams? And, and to check, you have to be still. You have to, you have to allow yourself to be still. And, and in those moments of still for me. And that was when I went on those big trips. I, I remember, you know, you know I did this trip in Queenstown where I went to Queenstown for seven days by myself for myself. That was what one of the dreams came up was, wouldn't it be cool to have that? But I only was able to have that was when I was able to just be still, be by myself for myself did i have these little inklings it didn't come as a shaped thought of living with these people that i truly love but it came as a oh would not mm. it be cool to and then and then allowing myself more and more to shape that dream then it became the dream but you've got to got to you've got to have stillness to yep and and this links to something else bruce lee says all knowledge is self-knowledge he says this time and time and time again All knowledge is self-knowledge, meaning the more you learn, the more you understand about yourself. All knowledge is self-knowledge. So to me, the more I learned, the more I started to learn about myself, but the more I learned about myself, I needed time to be still to apply it to myself, to get to know myself. Self-knowledge doesn't just require, I believe, it doesn't just require the acquisition of new knowledge. It requires the sitting and then the application of that knowledge and then the distillation of that knowledge and then the synthesizing of the knowledge. So in the moments where you're still, you're synthesizing, you're distilling. And when you do that, you go, oh man, I think I just got an inkling for who I am. Mm. I think I've got an inkling for a dream. Then follow it. Give yourself permission to follow it. And that's one of the ones that led me down a rabbit hole where I found. And then to me, and then sorry to talk so much, man, but I'm just kind of on a thought trail right now. It's that that I want to live a life that is uncommon. That is a part of my dream. And an uncommon life to me is a life that I want to live so deeply where I get to be with people I love. Why wait till I'm in my 80s before I'm in a nursing home to be around people that I love? And, And then why not now? Why, why do I constrain myself to live the way everybody else lives? Why not come together with people that I just adore and live out this brilliant life and create exceptional experiences together and moments of deep connection now, not when I'm 80, and have it all the time? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I like that.
1: I think there's, yeah. there, there is some really great practical application in that too is you spoke about stillness. I think we all we all kind of find it. It's yeah. Always go back to uh, the shower analogy. I don't know if this is the same for everyone, but when we get those random thoughts while you're having a shower, and yeah. you're like, "Oh crap, that was something gold there." Like I need to write that down. And uh, I've actually got a little notepad. It's like a waterproof note. Me too. That's oh in the my shower. God, that's crazy. <laughs> and, I and actually, you can do just too. <laughs> jot it down because it, it was again just practical because it was like I'm yeah. having really good insights into the shower, but by the time you dry yourself, dress yourself, you've forgotten about it. It's it's that same thing about how do you find the the stillness or the space to then allow some of those like subconscious maybe thoughts to come through. Cause we all have them. You don't know where they come from. It might be a uh, the, the thing that really stood out what I liked about the example that you shared is you seem to create very vivid pictures around your dreams and really good narratives. So if you, if we go back to the whole concept that life's a movie or life's a game, yeah. I think that there is a potential skill set there in knowing that when you have these dreams or thoughts or ideas, you've then got an ability to then craft that into a narrative and to colour it in a little bit more. Whereas what I think can happen is people have maybe a, a hunch or an inkling that this is something that they need to go and pursue, but they'll leave it to surface level without really digging into it deeper and yeah. fleshing it out. So when I heard, well, I was just listening to you before when when you were saying that it took you a while to call and have the courage to share that with the tribe, I think you were probably painting the narrative to a level where this just won't sound like the ramblings of somebody crazy telling people that, hey, let's let's all sell our houses and buy a farm and then essentially start a commune.
0: <laughs> like it's a cult it's, it's a cult it's, it's, there's no there's no there's no beating around the bush mate it, yeah. i mean I, uh, it's not a cult but it sounds like one damn it <laughs> it's it's a village call it a village it's but there's something yeah, there but it's, i think a
1: lot of people i like, can't yeah. tell my wife's voice the same thing like we've got friends of ours where they're like how cool would it be if we could just all live together and share the resources you have somebody you have other people to Raise the kids with like this is the way that our ancestors used to live. It's only probably over yeah, the last fifty years where we decided that hey, we should all move away from our families and buy our own house and isolate ourselves, and then just see each other every three or four weeks. And, like and, that's a relatively and, new thing,
0: and that was amplified with COVID. Yeah, people realised the value of connection, mm. and yeah,
1: yeah, yep, yep. Okay. Like we started speaking to our neighbors. We haven't, mm. we've lived in this house for five or six years. We've barely ever seen the neighbors. But then when all you can do is essentially walk out onto the street or go for a walk, you start getting to know the people around you and it changes different relationships. Like, yeah, I think it's interesting, but going back to the dreams side is I think it's really important that we, like dreams are such an esoteric thing. People are like, yeah. oh, follow your dreams. But what does that actually mean? And I think it's around really getting clear on what's the story that you want to write, jotting it down, exploring it, searching for the different areas.
0: And not like being I'm afraid going- to, to write a uh, – uh, just to write an incredible story too. Oh. I think the word dream also underneath it, the undertone, is, you know, something wild and mm-hmm. I don't know. You know Look- yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Just the tool that I use is, it's
1: a tool called Asana, which is like a project management Mm -hmm. tool. And (laughs) I'm a bit crazy with stuff like that, where if I have these dreams and ideas, I don't really like losing them. And it doesn't mean that I'll act on it straight away, but for a very long time, I've collected all of those thoughts and ideas. And then even once I have that dream and I get a picture of what the outcome might look like, maybe there's three to five actions that can then take place as the next steps to then get close to that dream. Now, that doesn't mean that I'll bind myself to completing them because a lot of the times with those things, you don't want to turn it into something that becomes an obligation or a job or something that, yeah, that, that isn't that enjoyable. So I'll have that list and every couple of weeks, every month, I'll go look at the list and just sort of sit there on it and be like, all right, well, is there anything here in the list that stands out? And if it feels like the timing's right and it's organic, And it's not being forced at all, but there's action, quality action to be taken. I think that's a really cool way that that I've enjoyed of then actually turning those dreams into a reality or turning those ideas into something that's real.
0: And I think what you're doing there, well, I think what you're doing there is you have a place to catch all the pieces of the puzzle that we need to collect before we can form what the dream Mm -hmm. really is. I think a, a huge part of the problem that I have and I think a lot of other people have too is these thoughts and ideas, these little hints come along to us in life that tell us what our dreams actually are. It, you know, it never comes along and says, Vin, your dream is to start a cult on a farm with these six families. Like, I don't think that that's how, that's how it happens. I think it, it comes as a piece of the puzzle at a time. It's like C-U-L-T. You know, like I think I think it I think it it comes in little bits and then you have to kind of come and form it together but if yeah. but if you don't start paying attention to what those little inklings are or those little hints are and you don't actually capture them and then look at them as a whole because because I think it's it's a it's a puzzle I think that the easiest way to to give an analogy to it is it's it's a puzzle the puzzle of you the puzzle of your dreams come to you, and you have to learn how to be still to then receive those pieces of the puzzle. And when you do receive those pieces of the puzzle, it's important to actually jot them down. And they may not make sense when you see them in isolation, but when you see them together, you start to see patterns.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, so that's,
0: that's kind of, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll go into our next point, right? Okay, This turn. is one that just stood. I've got
1: so many notes here as well, like you do. Dude,
0: I, 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 I've, I've written 52 pages of notes. We're on page seven.
1: Yeah, I found this quote anyway just to wrap up the, the dreaming bit. It says, A practical okay. dreamer, be a practical dreamer backed by action. Yeah. That was one of the, the sentences. And I think you, you touched on that as well. Like, you need to, we need to add action into yeah. the ideas or the
0: concepts. Um, That's right. Because actions will actually make the dream a reality, right? Mm hmm. Because without it, it's just an esoterical thought.
1: I like this one. It was under the title of happiness. And he's just got simple pleasures. I like light rain. It gives one such a sense of calmness and tranquility. I enjoy walking in the rain, but most of all, I like books. I read all types of books, fiction and nonfiction. And then there's another sentence that was pretty close to this. It's like real living. And it's just such a short sentence. Real living. Real living is living for others. Mm. Yeah, so... He goes into- Uh, um, I did have that one too. There's like four or five pages where I think he muses on happiness and living. And I think that, you know, there's another one here around attaining happiness. In order to achieve happiness or the right conduct of life, one must acquire knowledge so he can think, reason, and create. Uh, Knowledge creates desire for the beautiful. Therefore, anyone that teaches must have the knowledge of his teaching. You know, so again, he's got these bold sentences, but. I think one that we haven't really touched on is probably happiness maybe and creativity and how they go hand in hand. Like I think that's a big part of his story and how he approached life. Like if you think what he's connected to, the movies, the martial arts, philosophy is even though it's really interesting because it goes to his yin-yang around he's such a deep thinker, a philosopher.
0: But
1: his vocation was going to Hollywood, which is something that might be construed as being very, you know, superficial and becoming a star where he's got Mm. this interesting balance of he was very deep and connected. But the manifestation of that was movies,
0: right? And was becoming celebrity, which I find really interesting. In in everything that he did. I mean, he was a a poet. He was a dancer. Like, again, it's just all these things are very, you know, yeah, very showy, right? Well, well, again, it becomes that thing around how we can be very
1: binary. Like we can, yeah. it's easy to go and view somebody that's on a reality TV show and say, "Oh, they're only doing it for the fame, whatever it is." But there's maybe the the behind the scenes thing. It's well, how many people did they audition against, and what, what is the? That's probably a very bad example using a reality TV show, but, but it's more around the concept of it's funny how we judge certain things and then we discredit the person for the level of action or mastery that they've then put in place to get to that level, regardless of what it is. Um, You you know, that, that whole concept of when people see something in the news and, and I love hmm. it when you speak to a friend and they're like, Oh, they're so lucky. Like, you know, it's nearly implying that that person got to the top of their game because it was easy or, or that tennis player that's ranked 50 in the world and gets judged. Like Nick Kyrgios is a great example of a tennis player who, who gets slammed in the media a lot because he's got so much potential. Um, but they say, you know, because he's not the best in the world or he's not as good as what he could, but he's probably just got a very different approach of how he approaches the game. He doesn't practice too much. He takes the piss out of the game a little bit. He doesn't say what, say, the media would want him to say. But then he's maligned for it because, but then internally, he will be like, well, geez, it took me a fair bit of effort. Like I've still done the hard yards. here. Yeah, maybe I don't want to try to become the best in the world or become an all-time great, but I still do try hard. I'm there to entertain people. I enjoy my vocation. But it's interesting, I think, when people judge
0: other people's crafts, and the yeah. way that they approach it. Well, it, especially um, when they are not a master in that craft themselves.
1: Yeah. It's like go play. That, that's, that's what drives me
0: insane. That's right. <laughs> like, and, and and as much as that like, drives me insane, I do it too, because I'm a yeah. I'm a hypocritical wanker. But you know, it's like I it drives me insane and I know I do it. So I'm you know, I'm just human, <laughs> right? But it's but but, but but when I see people do it to others who are good people, it drives me insane. Cause I'm like, you don't know anything about this craft. Like, it's just, that's, oh man, it's crazy. And which, which reminds me of a saying that he says, and, and, and in the book he says, I, I've, got, I've got it written here. I seek neither your approval nor to influence you. Mm. And imagine if you could get to that state in life where I'm not seeking your approval and I'm not seeking to influence you at all. And, you know, even as we do this podcast, Ali, like I, I have to kind of put myself into a frame of mind when I'm doing this with you. And it's that like, I, I can't look at the live comments while I'm doing this, right? Yeah. Because, you know, we're streaming these live mm. because the moment I look at those comments, they steer me in directions that I didn't necessarily want to go in. Mm. And I had to, have, have, I had the awareness that I, I, I said to myself, I wanted this to be a conversation between you and I, like, I, I truly want you and I to steer this, not any other external forces. And, and to do that, I had to not seek other people's approval which is something that I often do. And in in relating it to happiness, a huge part of my happiness came from seeking other people's approval. And a huge part of my happiness also came from me being able to influence other people. Because when other people think the way I think, I'm like, ah, the pleasurable feelings of influencing others. Yes. It's, almost like, it's always like part of me is evil. And if I didn't have my parents, I'd, I'd be like an evil genius. Well, just <laughs> evil maybe. But again, I've had to learn not to seek approval. And a part of that was pragmatically like deleting these apps off my phones, mm. you know, posting something on LinkedIn or Facebook. And then, you know, just letting it go into the void. It's all good. That's just a thought I had. I'm not really seeking to influence you. I'm not really seeking for your approval. I just wanted to share a thought with the world. You know, and 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 that's actually made me a, a more happy.
1: It's yeah, it's letting
0: it. go of that. It's it's being free because here I am just talking to a friend. You know, like I, I'm listening to your thoughts, and it goes through my mind, and it, what comes out comes out. It's it's more free. Yeah. Well, again, you you touched on other points that he speaks about, like freedom and happiness,
1: mm. is maybe as we start wrapping this one up, like that is. Maybe some of the deeper lessons in, is in his philosophy is, well, how, how, does, how do you achieve freedom is another question. Because if you think about what you're talking about there, if, if, you, if we're tied to external validation, right? So, say if we were doing this podcast and mm. everything was based on the comments that were coming through, the number of views, the number of people watching it live, how many nice mm. comments are we getting um, and getting that validation. I'm sure after a while it would taint or it would reduce our internal level of enjoyment for this thing because it would mean that when we're reading the book, we'd probably be reading it with so much more pressure. We'd have more detailed notes. We would be upgrading certain things. We'd be doing all these different. We'd be taking different actions that would be more in line with the external like gratification of what it is we're doing rather than call it the internal action, which in its simplest form is just us two having a chat about a topic after reading a book. You know, mm. so to me, there's freedom in that. You know, like right mm, now, we're is- early on in this journey. We have this nice level of freedom. Whereas, mm. save Spotify and Amazon, yes, send out your reps if you are listening to this. Reached out, and they gave us a massive contract. And then we had oh. advertising attached to this, and we had all these things. It's not to say that it would reduce the level of enjoyment, but it would have a different level of freedom. We, we, yeah. There would be fluidity. There'd potentially be certain things that would be stipulated in the contract that we can't talk about or say as part of that deal. You know, like it, it's interesting that these things then create uh, that sort of creep into vocations, especially, whereas mm. I, I think maybe this is the thing as we get older, like I love the idea of just doing things. And even when I went into the entrepreneurship realm, one, one of the big things that I had written down is would I keep doing this even if it made no money? If it did nothing commercially, and that was to me a really cool north star for taking action. Mm. It's like, well, if there was no external monetization or material link to this, or people giving me feedback or caring about it, would I still do that just purely on taking the action? Like, do I love the game of entrepreneurship enough that I would do it? That even if no one else was watching, yeah. And and I think that that that's maybe freedom, or mm. or true freedom well, f- or happiness.
0: It like, is, like, especially like, if you, you you would do it anyway, right? It, it's the whole yeah. I would do it regardless. Yeah, and if you do it regardless, you're truly free of something. You're not doing it because of obligation. You're not doing it because of money. You're not doing it because of approval from others. You, you're doing it because innately it's what you want to do. Well, it's it, it, these yeah, are the music. Like of which and- Al, Even Alan Watts talks about it's 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 fascinating. Mm fascinating yeah well, well because there's always every time you talk about this though I, I have this voice in my head which which i know many people have as well and it's 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 the voice that i used to have It was like well, well you can't say that you know i've got responsibilities i can't just go and do this you yeah. you idiot you know like but but, yeah. but you've got to calm that voice down man you got to calm that voice down because <laughs> if you listen to that voice you'll never try this you'll never try this yeah. right and and i remember dude i posted an email out the other day about it it was just about, you know, every child has a diamond. Every child has a Mm. gift within them. And the job of a parent that I've learned as a parent is to help that child find that gift and to polish Mm. that gift and give that gift to the world. Right. And I immediately got emails back from people going, that's not realistic. (laughs) You know, and, and like that, that's, you know, that, that's, that's, that's putting too much pressure. That's this. I'm like, wow. Like, you know, yeah. There were these voices that I know will come. I have those voices too. And I actually took time to reply to these people to say that, look, I have this voice in my head too. But if you don't fight that voice, what life will you live? Mm. What story will you write? And yeah. it's not my job to help you fight that voice. I'm not going to help you fight that voice. But I'm just letting you know that if you don't fight that voice in your head, that we yeah. all bloody have, then... Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I just, yeah. Yeah, that was a bit of a vent. That, that felt good. Nah. Getting that out. <laughs> but I think it's important though because I think that,
1: that calls on judgment because yeah. everyone, we all do it. It's so easy to criticize and to question someone else's view, but it's only something I've learned recently is you just have to let people do them and be who they yeah. are. Like if you go and write an email, like if I'm questioning it, it should only be from a place so I can learn from it. It shouldn't be to put judgment on the way that you're writing about it. You know, like that that's my internal belief is because how does that then help anyone? Like all it can do is gratify your own ego because all you try to do is say that if I beat that person down on their point of view, then I can feel better about myself because I believe something that's different. You know, it's the same thing as when we talk about, we've done books like the four hour work week and, Mm -hmm. you know, other ones that are out there where it's very easy and people be like, they'll read the title and be like, oh, well, a four-hour work week isn't possible. It's like, well, yeah, that's a mindset or it's a shift because like, this person who wrote the book wrote it for a reason because they had validation that there were parts of that that are possible. And then there might be other people out there that have then replicated that result to make it possible. So I think I think you touched on a really interesting point there is be mindful of what it is that you're criticizing and judging.
0: And, um, and also be aware that... Out. And be aware that the tea in your cup is the tea in your cup. Yeah. No one else has to drink it. No one else has to drink it. And and that same goes for me. I have to remind myself of that all the time because just because sometimes I think, oh man, my my way of looking at the world is so inspiring, and Mm. you know, whatever that is, I've just got to be careful not to try to force that on others as well. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just 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 understand. Yeah. It's just it's just kind of going through life trying to not seek others' approval and trying not Mm. to. Yeah. 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 yeah it's again being water right it being fluid with it as opposed yeah. to being so yeah it's, it's interesting at, and it's it's
1: impossible to master like like even, it really
0: is I mean like, look at us talking like, about I'd this to, yeah
1: <laughs> I would love to say that yeah I could just block everything out and all these things you know they're like water off a duck's back or whatever it is but that, that's also bullshit in its own sense too because you do you do take it in, you do listen to other yeah. people, you do act because then I think you're just completely disconnected from the external world. It's going, you know, it's that whole thing, the, the yin-yang. Yeah, it has to be a bit of both. But I think it's again, we speak about this all the time. It's when it gets too extreme. Like, are you looking yeah. at every comment and then acting just in the accordance with what everyone else is telling you? Then you probably need to check mm. it. Are you acting too much just for your own self-gratification? Because then that's probably too much and you're probably alienating other people. Like I think they there's some of the trickier things. And I think that's maybe just the the reality of life. Uh, what we're all trying to figure out is how do we keep improving? How do you keep progressing? How do you keep doing things that are aligned with you, but then also maybe helping the greater good? I don't know. It feels like there's- I'm,
0: I feel like you summed up such a beautiful <laughs> point there in that, that's all we really want. We all. How do we grow? How do we move forward? Yeah. How do we progress? And how do we do it in a way that feels good while we're on the journey of doing it? And how do we help the world in the process while we're doing it? You know, it's. And and this is why I think Bruce Lee is kind of kind of quote here. He he says, in order to achieve happiness or the right conduct of life, one must acquire knowledge so he can think, reason, and create. Knowledge creates the desire for the beautiful. Therefore, anyone that teaches must have the knowledge of his teaching. So so back to something you say, but but one line here. Knowledge creates the desire for the beautiful. This is why it just goes back to the importance of learning. Learning brings us new information that allows us to see more than we can see. I feel like we're almost born blind, metaphorically speaking. And the more you learn, the more of the world you can see. So if you... If you don't engage in learning, maybe you're only seeing a part of the world, and you're blind to so much of it. Yeah. And the more you see, and that's why they say the, the 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 whole damn quote of knowledge, right? The more you learn, the more you realize what you don't know, and the more you don't know. And it's yeah. true, is because there's so much to see in this world, and and there's so much to learn. And if we if we don't see learning as a continuous path in life, I think if there's anything we need to know in life, it's that learning is continuous you know, and, and if we stay in a present state of learning, then we continually open our eyes to new ideas. We continually pour out what is old and fill our cups with what is new. And I think that that needs to be something that happens often and frequently in order to to achieve what you said, to progress in the right way, to live in the right way. We need to continually learn. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. And I, just Ooh. something to, to to wrap that up a little bit more is, if i look at three concepts out of this book that really stand out it's having some sort of aim or awareness and trying to really figure out yourself as much as you can then it's mm. taking action uh in accordance with that and then it's learning and it's growth and probably just re- rinsing and repeating that cycle over and over again off finding the, the signpost, acting, learning. You just keep going over and over again. Like to me, that's that's really life in its most simplest form, like in terms of doing life. <laughs> and mm. that's where Bruce sums it up, I think, pretty well. He's got maybe 30, 40 different areas that he looks at. But, but that's what the book really screams. It's, it's like somebody just trying to figure out what's the point of it all.
0: Yeah, it, it is. Like, it, actually,
1: that's, like, that's a good point. Like he just seems like a real student of life without, yeah. with the limited level of, like, beliefs holding it back. Like, it, it doesn't, like, really subscribe to one set of beliefs. He seems very – like, that's what I really resonate yeah. with is fluidity of how he kept evolving. And it's such a shame that he died so young because it would have been really interesting to, mm. to read Bruce Lee's books when he was 50 or 60 or 80 years old and to see what else would have unlocked it's
0: i mean i mean i mean think about it right you're right he he is an explorer in that sense because he didn't just do one art form he in martial arts he did so many different art forms and and brought all the different brilliant things that each different art form had together you know he was he was forever a student of life in that he also looked at eastern philosophy western philosophy and it, it what, what this book really taught me, if I had to bring it to a kind of wrap as well, is it taught me that learn from multiple different sources. Mm. Don't, don't, don't just believe one thing. Keep an open mind, which brings a quote to mind. That's not Bruce Lee's. It's a psychologist. I don't remember the psychologist's name, but it's rather a mind open by wonder than one that is closed by belief. I feel Bruce Lee always keeps an open mind as I read this book is that it's always open and exploring and forever just on the path of exploration. He's always discovering new things, which is so beautiful. Yeah, and I think that's what life is about. Yeah, it's about keep, stay curious and keep exploring is this is a beautiful book it's it's taught me it's taught me that I know nothing John Snow, <laughs> I know nothing, John Snow. Oh. It, it's it's reminded me to to have an empty cup as a student because I fall into the trap of thinking I know it all
1: hmm.
0: so this book the process of reading this book it has emptied my cup. So, thanks, Bruce.
1: That's the goal. Thanks, Bruce.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Bruce. Well, thanks, Ali. I think that's a a good episode, everyone.
1: That that episode. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, everyone, this is is our seventh episode. Hopefully, everyone's cup's empty.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or or mine's empty and confused. But I I just (laughs) wanted to to say, you know, we've we've got our podcast on on many different platforms now. So, if you want to subscribe to our podcast, please do so. The links will be in the description sections for wherever wherever you're listening to this from. Thanks for joining us on this journey. We appreciate you. Bye for now. Thank you. Hi, hello, it's Vin. Thank you so much for listening to the Vin and Ali show. We've created something that we're really excited about and we want to share it with you. It's called Recalibrate. It's a 12-step process that helps you create more clarity and more alignment in your life. It's the exact approach that both Ali and I have been using to live happier lives and to achieve all of our wildest dreams in the last seven years. It's been crazy. Being one of our loyal listeners, we wanted to share a special something with you. Visit recalibrate.online forward slash Vin and Ali to access the course for 70% off. I hope you will check it out.